Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets on this Monday. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day. Whenever you need it, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Use our promo code LOHORNETS, that's LOHORNETS, to get $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, joined in the studio by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. David, you've graced us with your presence, sir. In person, Doug. We're staring at each other's... I'm looking you right in the eyeballs as Longingly. I'm talking right now. This is a weird feeling, but somehow it feels right. feels so right. Yeah. But hey, well, you're in studio because we're talking about uh, another man, another myth, another legend, uh, Steve Clifford, head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. He is the latest in our uh, series of season recaps. Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. I've been enjoying uh, listening to a few other podcasts of teams that are in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good. It's been a fun way to sort of keep tabs on everything that's going on. Um, let's talk about... Steve Clifford. We're going to tackle the head coach here. No head coach likes losing and missing the playoffs, but Steve Clifford seemed to really take this season hard, David. Uh, To his credit, Clifford took a lot of that responsibility for what happened uh, on himself. He was very hard on himself this season. Listen, I'm in charge of this. The majority of these guys are here largely because of me. Uh, or not largely, but Michael's great about if I don't like a guy, you know, we don't take him. These are the guys that I want. I think we should be better than we're playing. We haven't gotten better. Haven't gotten better. And that starts with me, and it's always going to be the head coach and the best players. So, David, he took a lot of it on himself. What do you think about Steve Clifford's role in uh, this disappointing season. Yeah, I think that's something we don't talk about a lot and maybe something people don't realize is how much he is involved with the roster construction, right? Mm-hmm. And that's been a big fault of this season. And I know Rich Cho has taken a lot of heat for that. Michael Jordan's taken a lot of heat for that. But I think we've always looked at it as a group effort, as a triumvirate, right? A triumvirate. 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 Uh, of Cho, Clifford, and MJ. Mm-hmm. And as he said right there, that's that's the clearest we've ever heard him say that his imprint is on you know the roster selection of this team. So it's interesting to hear that. Um, so I think he does take some of the blame um, and probably should be pointed out a little bit for how this team fared. The weird thing and the head-scratching thing is – um, a lot of the same pieces, right? Um, obviously, the bench wasn't there when they needed it to be. But he's had worse teams that have been better defensively. I mean, that's really the big fault, I think, uh, when you're looking back. Well, I won't say worse teams, but you haven't. This team dropped off, right? In terms of talent level, yeah, we've seen we've seen worse teams play better on defense yeah, in previous years. Um, no, I agree with you, David. And I think uh, one thing I keep going back to is that the 
the, the organization trusts Steve Clifford. And I think Steve Clifford probably has, you know, some some say in the roster construction. I don't know if he's necessarily going out right. and saying, go get me he's X not demanding guy Miles Plum or gets Y guy. Exactly. But there's a lot of trust with this, within this organization between Michael Jordan, Steve Clifford, and Rich Cho. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think they would go and get a guy that Steve Clifford would not want right. necessarily. I think it's more that he's not making, he's not calling the shots, right? He's not, right. it's not a Van Gundy situation. Exactly. And I think at the end of the season, you heard though, that I, I think he is frustrated with the level of talent that uh, this team has. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, Clifford wants to compete in the playoffs, not just get to the playoffs, but compete in the playoffs and I think he is somewhat frustrated uh, by the fact that they don't have that level of talent. One of the more interesting set of comments from Steve Clifford this season came right before that stretch that I pointed to last Wednesday as the pivotal point in the season that really set the season on a course for missing the playoffs. It was January 25th, and the Hornets had just dropped a game to the Golden State Warriors 113-103 to at home. Fans and someone in the media room wanted to give him I don't know, a back tap and an attaboy hmm. for hanging in there, and right. he was not having it. I think for everybody is we have to get past the point where there's such low expectations here that trying hard is a moral victory, and that's, sorry, that's what it is, okay? This isn't the old Hornets. It's not, okay? We, we're past the 21-7 and seven win seasons. We've been good three out of the last four, and the other year, if we didn't have all the injuries, we would have made the playoffs that year too, and we got to start thinking like that. There needs to be more pressure on how we play so we don't have 15 turnovers against a team that creates turnovers. It's not okay. It's bad basketball. Take that for data. Took a lot of flag for that, too. I mean, took a lot of heat for that at the time, I thought. Um, you know, as message to the fan. I mean, people took it different ways, but... We kind of disagreed on the show a little bit with the the sort of take that that was directed at the fan base, whereas I thought... Part of that was directed at the media, media and right. if you really wanted to try and you know use the crowbar and pry open and, and read between the lines, you could interpret that as a little bit of a message to the organization that like this this is not good enough to the players and to the front office right. that what what we're doing right now you know treading water essentially is is not good enough and the team needed to be held uh, to account for that. And and I think when you listen to his comments in the exit interview, it was a little bit of uh, an extension of that, of the organization is not where it needs to be. Um, and, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with personnel. So, uh, yeah, that was I, probably the most interesting comments all season. Yeah, and I think it's obviously doubly, doubly frustrating for Clifford because of the year they had last year, right? He finally got the team where they were top 10 in both offense and defense, which is really where you want to be. And mm-hmm. I mean, not many teams can get there. But, you know, for example, his first year here, that Bobcats team was fifth in defense, eighth in, uh, ninth in defense the following year, eighth last year, and then dropped to 14th this year. And as I mentioned, they were ninth uh, – on offense, you know, that playoff year as well, mm-hmm. back to 15th last year, which is middle of the road, which for the history of, of Clifford's run here is actually pretty good, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they were near the bottom in his first two years here. So I just think he was frustrated um, on a lot of levels. But I think he he asked a lot of some guys that just didn't produce kind of what they thought they would across the board. I mean, this team, let's face it, was put together saying – uh, if a lot of things go right, we can get back to 
the playoffs, right? Like if the right. bench holds water, if um, all these guys don't have a backslide from last year, if Kimba, you know, maybe takes another step forward, and only one of the thing, one one of those things really happened, which is Kimba played even better than he did the previous year. But Batum slipped back, Marvin slipped back, MKG returned, um, but didn't have that impact that they thought he would. Uh, and then you had no help from the bench, no consistency from anyone outside of that starting unit. So it was a frustrating year all around, and and they couldn't really do a lot once they were in the season, right? I mean, they, you know, they made that desperation trade, uh, and then Plumlee gets hurt three days in. It's like every time they tried to make a move, um, they were just not able to make a change. That, that worked out. It was a frustrating season, David. You know what frustrates me? buying tickets online for sports and concerts because it's been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been difficult to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And the problem is none of the other older ticket sites want to do anything about it. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing application and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. With the free SeatGeek app, it's so easy Uh, to get the tickets you want and get the best deal. Here's the best part. Our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, here's what you do. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-HORNETS, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, find the best deal on those tickets that you want, and enter the promo code LOHORNETS for a little extra cash today. So there were extenuating circumstances, David, some some bad luck, some hard luck this season. Um, but at the same time, I think there was an issue of Steve Clifford's message not translating. And he's been very clear over the past several years about what makes winning basketball you know, what What the plan is, getting back on transition, yeah. um, you know, not crashing the boards, but getting back in transition, playing aggressive defense. What are the buzzwords we talked about uh, with uh, Steph Reddy earlier in the season? Purpose of play, um, you know, things like that. He's very clear on those. And the roster had some turnover, David, but the core essentially was the same core, yet for some reason, that message didn't quite translate to everyone. And I think you, you know, Steve Clifford has said he puts that on himself. And I think it's fair for fans to question why that message didn't translate. Yeah. In situations like that, you normally think, you know, is the message getting lost is it, or is it getting stale, right? Uh, or, is, or is he losing the team? That's what I heard a lot towards the end of the season. And I, I didn't buy into that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, some of the effort the team I think gave. the team lost itself, honestly. I think there were individuals yeah. that came into the season for varying reasons, some of them understandable, some of them less so, um, that, that caused performances to drop. And, and I think maybe there was an attitude of, and I think some teams get into this where you you make the playoffs and you get just short of that next round and you feel like maybe the next season that this is that that was just step one and step two's coming and there's you know we'll we'll get there yeah and instead of doing the things that are necessary to get to that point and that's that's where I think they fell short. 
Yeah, and you all, what did they talk about the, that last stretch of games? Like, right, we have to we have to be ready. We have to come out with energy to start. We have to fight the whole way through. Like s- stuff like that. That's really I don't put it on the coach. You know, I mm-hmm. put it more on the on the on the players and the leaders on the team, um, the guys that have been there before. I mean, this, this is not a young roster, right? I mean, it's mostly veterans. Uh, they've all had mostly some playoff experience. And it was frustrating to see them not be able to do that on a consistent basis. And you're right. A lot of things that he preaches, right, like taking care of the ball, um, not fouling, mm-hmm. um, just playing smart. They've constructed the roster with a lot of basketball, high, high basketball IQ guys. And I, I, I can't imagine – what he could try to do to alleviate some of these issues, right? And they, di- they did, you know, there were moments where they had turnover issues, but sure. they did that for the most part. It was really that fourth quarter defense that he could he could not get through to them how important it was to close out games. And then a lot of that had to do with the fact that the bench that he threw out there at the beginning of the fourth quarter, um, and he talked about it, the bench struggles uh, midway through the season and some of the adjustments that he had to make as a coach uh, to deal with the fact that the bench had fallen off so far. What didn't work, obviously, which I gave up a while ago, is just having a second unit. You know, that's not working at all. You know, our our starters have the six best plus minus in the NBA. So, uh, and then actually the four guys with Roy are pretty good too. Um, Except for that, you know, we haven't been able to find lineups that work effectively, and that's the search. That's what we got to find. And I think the question, David, Roy is Hibbert there. Yeah, I think the question is: Will he have to continue to adjust his strategy to match the personnel that he has if significant upgrades aren't made in the off season? Because the Hornets got killed from yeah. beyond the arc, and a lot of that you could trace back to the fact that his defensive scheme is around packing the paint, right? Uh, you know, sagging back. And it opens up the three-point arc, but maybe maybe there's some adjustments that have to be made on his part going into next yeah, season. Yeah, from somewhere. I mean, that was one of the keys uh, that they talked about in one of the last broadcasts of the uh, of the season. There, you know, th- stuff to ask Clifford going into the off season. And I don't recall if it was our good friend Captain Kirk or someone had submitted some Twitter questions to Stephanie Reddy saying, mm-hmm. uh, "Is three <laughs> is three-point defense going to be a focus of the of the off season?" And everyone on the crew was like, "That's yes, that's that's a no brainer." I mean, they've clearly got to address that. Um, and what we should say is, I, I think, because people out there probably are wondering, well, why not make why not make that adjustment midway through the season? The problem is, and you hear this from not just Steve Clifford, you hear this from NBA coaches all the time. Once you get into the season, it, it becomes a grind, yeah, and you don't get a ton of practice time. And really, you need two or three or four straight days of practice, a.k.a. training camp, preseason, to really institute very complex things. So when you're in and the look season— look at the guys he's dealing with, yeah. too, right? He's got, like, three D-league guys he's trying to exactly. weave into that. He can't throw you know, more stuff at him, more right. new stuff You're not going to change it. That's the thing. You're not going to change your coverages midway through the season unless you want to completely send guys for a loop and then lose, you know, 20 straight. Because right. that's what would ha- I think that's what would happen. And again, you don't just hear that from Clifford. You hear that from NBA coaches that once you get into the season, you really are you're you're focusing on small changes, maybe coverages uh, that you've worked on in the preseason, but you didn't use you use them for particular teams. 
things like that. Yeah. Um, I, you know what, Doug? I yeah. think is it, it is encouraging some of the things that we Let's saw. Talk about some good stuff. The, some of the things we saw towards the end of the season was his willingness to try something new. Uh-huh. Uh, namely, Briante Weber uh, getting mm-hmm. into the starting lineup. Now, did everything work out perfectly? No. I mean, Briante is still a young player, and he's learning how to do some things, especially in this system. But And it may have even come too late for a lot of people, but – I mean, once Sessions went down and they were depending on Roberts so much in that backup point guard role, uh, and it was clear that something – they needed a charge from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to go to Briante Weber. He he was willing to go at times even to Johnny O'Brien. Now, listen, his hand was forced in a lot of these situations, right? But historically, he has not wanted to play young guys – um, he has not wanted to get guys in there that you know didn't know their system. So I think that is encouraging. Even though he didn't have a lot of choices <laughs> towards the end of the season, he did give Briante some looks. Some of those other young guys, you know, got looks, and he was willing to see what they could do. And and look for for Weber's part, he did provide a spark on the defensive end, which I, I know Clifford had to like. Um, but I just thought that was an encouraging sign to say, hey, he's not going to stick to his guns. You know, to a fault, I don't think. I mean, he, he's not blind, right? He, he knows if he's got to try something, and and that was what a lot of people were calling for, and I thought it was a good move. So I have a few hat tips as well. I thought that he did a great job of gearing the offense even more around Kimball Walker's <laughs> strengths this season, um, helping to get him those open three-point looks that led to some of those record three-point numbers, really sort of adjusting how he uses Kimball Walker to suit Kimball Walker's evolution, those things working hand-in-hand. Also, I thought he oversaw Frank Kaminsky's development this season and trusted him in the starting lineup for for that period of time. Again, it goes back to his hand was forced somewhat, but I think he would have done it anyway because I think he does see some things that he really likes in Frank Kaminsky, and he's been able to sort of work through the fact that Frank's struggling and, and trying to get him to the point where he can succeed on a consistent basis. And uh, I think also, David, I think he got through to Jeremy Lamb. We saw Jeremy Lamb uh, play very strong at the end of the year, and that was the big thing. If you look back to the offseason, Jeremy Lamb sort of had a come-to-Jesus talk with Steve Clifford about Mm -hmm. what it takes in terms of taking care of your mind, taking care of your body to get yourself through the grind of an 82-game season. And just based on the results— Jeremy Lamb did that, and I think you have to give a hat tip to Steve Clifford for working with the player, and maybe some messages didn't translate to the entire team, but I think he got through to a few players, and and that's, look, any player development on this team is going to be a positive. (laughs) Yeah, and he's always going to be up front with these guys, right? I mean, listen to how he talks about Plumlee towards the end of the season Mm -hmm. and these pressers saying, flat out, he's just not in shape. He's Mm -hmm. not physically able to play in this system or really to play any minutes. And, he, and you know, talking about forcing his hand, he had to play him some. Like, he had to get in there and play him. So I think players appreciate that. Certainly, you mentioned Kimba, and I think part of his development should be credited towards this coaching staff and towards Clifford. I mean, mm-hmm. Kimba had so many different head coaches before Clifford came in for these last four years and was a steadying force, right? Mm-hmm. And so they, they their growth and maturity together, I think, is key. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about, you know, Cho gets a one-year um, extension, right? And is Clifford going to be on the hot seat uh, next year if they don't make the playoffs? I just think <clears throat> if you are looking at this team, any talk of <laughs> moving on from Clifford at this point 
is insanity to me. I mean, he's been the rock that this franchise had was looking for, I think, since it returned to Charlotte. I think he's one of the better coaches in the NBA. I mean, I really do. He's not flashy. He's not He's not a young prodigy like your Brad Stevens. But for an organization like Charlotte, like the Hornets, I think he's the perfect fit, to be honest with you. I think so, too. But at the same time, I think this is his first head coaching job. I mm-hmm. think he's learning something every year. Yep. And I think, honestly, he may be learning. Because, look, think about the teams that he's played for or that he coached for. So he he's coached teams in the past that had like unguardable superstars. Kobe, and Dwight. Kobe, Dwight, Tracy McGrady. Yeah. Um I think he's learning how to coach uh within this system uh, of of Charlotte that is not going to necessarily yield you that kind of player on a year-to-year basis and it's just different. Right. Uh, and it's more difficult and, and it's more probably more physically taxing. It's probably more emotionally taxing, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he deals with whatever this roster ends up being. Yeah, uh, and how much, and this will be interesting too to kind of keep an eye on. He's talked about his influence on the roster. Will that continue? Or mm. you know, Cho, look, Cho's Cho's on the line right now. You know, it's 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 his job on the line. Yeah. Will he, you know, take a more active role and 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 maybe try to in, instill some of his vision? Who knows? And he's not perfect, right? I mean, uh, we've we've never shied away from criticizing him. I mean, mm-hmm. there's issues we've had, you know, with the substitutions or, um, <laughs> you know, the inbounds plays are always seem to be an adventure for some reason. And and not everything's on him, but I just think. He has been he he's he's an NBA guy. He is a basketball guy. I mean, from what I can tell, he eat, sleeps, and drinks basketball. Right? I mean, that's all he thinks about. So, um, I think he's been great for this team. I think he's been great for Kimba, which is huge. It will be interesting to see, right? I mean, let's say Cho is not here after next year. I mean, what is that dynamic? What does that that dynamic turn into? Right. Um, and we'll have to wait and see on that. But you know. He's he's to me. You're right when you said, "All right, he's calling for some shakeups." I mean, mm-hmm. and he's not been be, afraid, and he's going to be in those conversations as we mentioned. So um, they've got to add some more talent to this team, and they've got to get some more explosiveness. You know, it's interesting to me. Just think, we haven't mentioned Marco Bellinelli, and he had a, a little blow up with him on the bench towards the end of the season. Yeah, and you never saw that with a guy like Jeremy uh, Lynn, right? Now Lynn had a had a much different season, but both of them. I think are in the same um, category defensively of like uh, ability, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I thought Jeremy Lin, and you heard Clifford say it a lot. If you're if you're willing to try, and if you believe, and if you work, then that's really all he asked for on defense. I mean, everyone's not going to be a Michael K. Gilchrist, right? Um, but Bellinelli, there's going to, there's going to be sometimes that a guy is is quicker, stronger right. than you, and you're going to get beat, right? But you can easily tell the difference between someone that's trying and gets beat. And someone who's not paying attention or or lets the guy go. Yeah. And these guys watch so much more basketball than we do. So they sure. definitely it's like X-ray vision. They know they can he see knows. into the guy's heart. Right. Exactly. And this is the first year he has not taken one of these, you know, we talked about the reclamation projects a lot. Um, you saw, you know, when Al Jefferson came here, was I mean, was a laughing stock defensively, right? Turned him into a, a usable defensive player. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Lynn, same type of thing. Um, and this year, he wasn't able to kind of transform anyone uh, in that way. And, and again, the defense suffered a little bit. But um, I just think he demands a certain level of, of um, 
of buy-in and, and of and of uh, ability to work hard on on the defensive end, right? And that's all he's he's asking for. But I'll be interested to see, man, if he gets some young guys. Um, you know, has not always been willing to play rookies. Uh, traded away their their draft pick last year. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade away the draft pick completely this year. We'll see. But, um, you know, if he's really kind of changing the way he's doing things, it'll be interesting to see what he does if they get a rookie in this draft, what kind of a player he is, and and how he uses him. All right, let us know what you think about Steve Clifford's performance this season on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, uh, on Instagram at Locked On Hornets, or you can visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. That'll do it for us for this edition. Uh, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. And shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back tomorrow uh, with another recap, some more analysis of the season that was. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Like what you hear? Consider sharing this podcast with other Charlotte Hornets fans. The easiest way? Our new website, LockedOnHornets.com. There you can download the podcast, listen to our latest episodes, and check out Locked On Hornets live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for $8 with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are 10 for $10 with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is $0.20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.